It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book in hardcover, paperback, and even an audiobook. The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders, and so on and so forth. We are already to number 97, Steve, as we approach the century mark. It's incredible. It, Who'd have thunk? It's taken two years, but Who'd we're getting there. 97 episodes? 97 episodes. With all now. of this great content and great information. Mm-hmm. And what a, what a, we are totally blessed. Introduce us, please, to your guest who you Well, radio. first, before I do yeah, that, yeah. I want to say, phenomenal job out at Honda. Uh, you are the life of you. the party. The life of which party? <laughs> that party. Bear Trap at Honda could be the best um, sporting event ever. I mean, it's, you know, was there golf going on? <laughs> maybe, that, maybe there was. The Bear Trap is famous for that reason, right? The Bear Trap is famous for not knowing if it's a golf event, if it's a party, what it is. And, uh, and I was just doing a little television. Just doing a little television. You were great. You were great. It was fun. Thank you for interviewing me. Good stuff. Okay. Uh, so well, I thank can, you. It was great. It was good to run in there on Friday. Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, cool. The weather couldn't sunny, have been nicer. No. Just incredible. Weather couldn't have been nicer. And you had a little booze to that, and good things happened. Yeah. yeah it's, so. it's uh, you know, it's it's an event that's great for the county. It's great for um, PGA National. It's great for the Palm Beach County Sports Commission. And it's about $63 million in immediate economic impact over the course of that one week. Over 200,000 people attended yes. um, a four-day event. That mm-hmm. Tiger didn't play in. Right. That bodes really well for uh, the event stands alone. Yeah, yeah, depending I, on he plays or doesn't play. So now I will introduce my guest. Please. Um, this is a very good friend of mine. We know each other 10 years. Mm-hmm. We lived in the same place in Weston. We actually met over a campaign that he did um, with Stu Gatz, who we both. Oh, John Wiener. John Wiener. Oh, Johnny Wiener. And so when you talk about Wiener, uh, he was doing something called New Bag. <laughs> so, That's right. Welcome, Tim Schmidt, to the show. Tim Schmidt, <laughs> entrepreneur, author, brand innovator, consultant, and apparently a collaborator of one Stugatz. He's great. Thanks for having me. And yes, that was a, a very uh, warm introduction that we got from Stugatz. And, and just going back to that, that was one of the biggest failures I've ever had in life as far as doing an advertising campaign. Really? But, it was. And what was the product again? You said one bag? New bag. Oh, new bag. Okay, explain. What was that? New bag was a male freshening spray. Mm-hmm. It was basically a water-based formula with some eucalyptus, mm-hmm. and you'd spray it down south, and it would freshen you up. At least that was the play. Okay. Now, the problem was it was more of a gimmick product, and Spencer Gifts never called me, and I couldn't get through to them through my people. So mm-hmm. and it failed miserably, but not before a big advertising campaign with Stu Gatz being the lead voice of it. Uh-huh. And I kind of tailored it towards him, just knowing his personality and knowing what he and would he do with it. he use some freshening up stuff. <laughs> not, it, it's not even funny, of course. So we made that campaign, and you know, it was a pretty big one during football season. I launched it week one NFL in 2010. This? This was, okay, it was yeah. 10 years Maybe ago. 11. It was 10 or 10 or All 11. All right, so really before, you know, he was still just a kind of a local, it was local semi-regional yes, AM radio guy. Gotcha. Correct. Yeah. So we did an ad campaign and he read the ads and they're still on YouTube. I uploaded some of them and they're hilarious. To this day, I check them out. I laugh super, they super are hard. super creative, super fun, on the edge. You know, and I had heard them and reached out to Stu Gantz and said, what's going on there? What is this? What, what is this? Yeah. And he said, oh, you got to meet the guy who is the founder of the company. And then I found out that he's 
Uh, Tim is really an internet genius. I will tell you this in all of my years in business, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. This, he is the smartest internet guy that I've ever met. Really? The guy f- understands it, knows it, has done it over and over. And I love the fact that you talk about failures because all of it is really testing and being able to put yourself out there to say, okay, I'm going to try this and it may not work. You don't need a lot of big wins. No, you just have to hit the, the iron when it's hot, you know, and strike it and, and hit it hard. And, and like I said, this new bag was a failure, but it came with a lot of laughter. Um, <laughs> you know, we had my favorite <laughs> part of the campaign. humor about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, it wasn't a huge financial suck, but it was, it did not run black. What would the market research say on uh, people wanting to freshen their scrotums? Well, let's be honest. Everyone needs it. Uh-huh. No one buys it. Right. So right. It's, it's, like one those, aids too. it's one of those products that, you know, we sold a lot of them as a gimmick and stuff like that, but you know, everyone laughed that at it. That was not the intended purpose. I got a lot of street cred though really yeah there's How people so? well you can go into bars and talk about the dolphins and if you make a, an intro and someone say hey do you listen to levitard and stu gods they say yeah remember that <laughs> new bag ad people i mean oh, to this day i get text to this day did you just hear them talk about it again 10 years later nationally yeah. and, and I, my phone blows up twitter well, blows that up validates you sure. endorsing stuff of course that's the reason why you do it is you <laughs> pick up that credibility so whether the product is good or bad or whatever listen at the same time they were selling that poo poo puri you know that duty shit that duty <laughs> Stuff, man. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I think I was an innovator. I like to think I was a pioneer before my time because there's a channel on Sirius XM called VSIN. It's a Vegas gambling network. Yes, of course. Brett Musburger endorses a product called Manscaped. Yeah. And, and the ads are hilarious. My but former, mine were the same way. My former co host uh, here is a host and producer there. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm familiar with the uh, the Vegas, the television. Well, they, they did the digital video and, and yep. audio platforms. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the market research didn't indicate this was an, a need in the marketplace. No, didn't do a lot of market research. I'll be really honest. This was an idea born over a lot of beers at a Costa Rican golf course back when I lived there and was exiting. A, <laughs> who's, who's a money did y'all lose? That's the important thing. <laughs> my own. Oh, my you own. Lost it your wasn't own. a huge investment, but okay. yeah, you know, the advertising on radio for those guys, even locally, um, you know, was a almost five figure deal a month. But wow. the reads were constant. I mean, every break they were going. They were I mean, Joy Taylor was reading them at one point. And, and, <laughs> and well, you that's know. when Joy was working at the radio. Sure. Yeah. 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 Look at. I mentioned this on the air last week, the LeBron James factor, the LeBron James effect, the names that you're mentioning, LeBron, excuse me, not LeBron, uh, Lebetard, Stugatz, and even Joy Taylor. like LeBron. They all got to go <laughs> national because LeBron went to Miami. Of course. Had he gone to New York, they're all still doing AM in that Miami. Exactly no correct. offense to anyone's talent, but the reality is LeBron brought the national spotlight and attention, and then this diverse collection of talent and personalities from Sedano to Izzy Gutierrez to Pablo Torre to Bomani Jones, the entire Lebetard and Friend Association, the Joy Taylors of the world, Sedano, they all got to go national because LeBron chose in the summer of 2010 to come to Miami. Don't ever forget that. So there's a big lesson there that I teach all of my clients now, and that it's all about awareness. If nobody knows who you are, mm-hmm. you can't even be considered. For sure. So awareness leads to consideration, which leads to decision. So Joy got the opportunity to go west. You know, uh, mm-hmm. S- Sedano got to go on the air. But I-, I would love to read this for a second. So uh, Tim is a fellow author mm-hmm. who uh, his thoughts are, I think, well worth reading. The name of his book is Amplifying Average. Amplifying Average. And what does that title mean? By the way, well, you know, basically to amplify something is to make it better. Mm-hmm. And the average is obviously, you know, the average of things. So taking a situation which is very average, and I consider myself grown up well, very average. Well, I'm going to interrupt you for one second sure. and read you what he thinks average is. How does someone with no startup money 
no special skills or clear advantage, become, become an industry upsetter, closing deals and earning seven figures no matter if he's on a hike in Iceland, at a bachelor party in Costa Rica, swimming with the Stingrays in the Cayman Islands, or lounging on a yacht in Miami. And I know all of that is true. <laughs> so, First of all, it sounds like you spent a lot of time in Costa Rica. What's going on there exactly? Yeah, well, you know, I was an exchange student there when I was in college. Uh-huh. And fell in love with the place, learned Spanish there, and I grew up in Minnesota. I immediately came down here after college. Weather-wise, they're not similar? <laughs> Minnesota, Costa Rica aren't topographically, hey. climate-wise? Hey. No? People look different, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I know a Colombian girl. She's all of t- 32 years old. And um, she is an exchange student from Colombia, mm-hmm. uh, was sent to Minneapolis, St. Paul, the greater Twin City region, in January. Um, so imagine being Colombian, not knowing any English, and now you're living in January in Minnesota. That's a little bit of culture shock. But yes, please. That's continue. a wake-up call. Yes. For so sure. I came down here, and I had an internet business that needed a call center. Now, I could have went the cheap route and gone to India. Personally, I don't like those voices on the phone. It's nothing against them. A lot of my IT guys on the back end are all Indian and over there, and I mm-hmm. use them every day. Mm-hmm. Answering phones, I'd rather have a Spanish accent that speaks perfect English. So naturally, I went to San Jose, and that's back when the gambling was very big. Yes. So I could just walk into some of the sportsbook guys and easily meet them at some of the questionable places downtown and rent call center space from them. So that brought me down they there call initially. Centers. Call center business is huge down they, there. It oh, still they, is. They oh, had, that's yeah, it's enormous. You know, 1998 on, you know, betonsports.com and these guys, they had call centers regardless. But it's call centers for every business. Whether they were taking, just yeah, whether they're taking bo- bo- bets or whether they were going to sell car insurance. Yeah, they, they had people right. there on it the was phones. huge. So that brought me down there. And then I was in a business that I exited and ended up staying down there. I'd bought a house mm-hmm. and then couldn't sell it. So we bought more land and we tried to parcel it up. And it, that was a big failure. I wasted three years of my life trying to do what I did best. And that was drive leads to a form online and get a call center here in Hollywood, call these people, send them an overnight packet, and then get them on a plane and show them the land. Everything was great the first month. And then 2007 hit. And then the end of 2007 hit. 2008 <laughs> hit. And we couldn't even crash get anyone Forget to fill it. out our lead form. Yeah. No one had money. We saw the whole cycle. Um, and then I, you know, I quickly moved back, rented my place for a while. It eventually sold years and years later. But um, yeah, Costa Rica is a big part of my life. I still have a lot of friends, family down there. I just, I love the place. It's so just so you, chill. When you say amplifying average, you know, when you've tested for your intelligence, are you clearly must be above average. Or do you come in at someone that really is kind of the average guy in all those ways imaginable? It's funny. My mother and I were just speaking about this over Christmas. And uh, I would say I'm below average, if anything. In I, intelligence? I graduated high school with a 2.9. I graduated college with a 2.91. So that's my, what AC, about average. my ACT score was a 23. My brother, who's four years younger, beat me when I was a junior in high school. He was he was in middle school. My brother school. is smart. Yeah, he is. He crushed me. What was your SAT? Do you remember? It was a 950. Okay, so you're just about average. Right. In every way imaginable. <laughs> right. or, or or today, below average. Or slightly right. below. So, <laughs> you know, going at it, and it's a whole chapter in the book, uh, I'll take effort over education all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care how smart you are. Humongous takeaway. I mean, right there. Last night, uh, the Atlanta Hawks got blown out at home in a basketball game in which the coach sat down and said in postgame, um, I got nothing for you guys, to the media. I got nothing. I got nothing for you. And somebody asked a question. He goes, you can't teach effort. You, you, can't, you right. can't teach That's effort. A, yeah. And, and that was it. That's the only statement he made. Um, effort over talent all day. All day long. I'll take a guy who'll roll up his sleeves and learn a task and fail nine times doing it, but the 10th he'll learn it because he'll go on to the next one and learn it versus a guy that'll get it done first thing in the morning and check out for the day because he, quote-unquote, did his job. Listen, my, my boys recruited you know high school kids, great talent, no work ethic. Doesn't really even work. I mean, you could be really bright, really have the greatest skill set, but if you're not willing to work, 
you're going to get beat by the one who rolls his sleeves up and yeah. and, get, and gets after it. So, yeah. You know. So education wise, we know intelligence, you say you tested about average educate. What's your I mean, as far as uh, education concerned? Yeah, I have my bachelor's degree, bachelor's degree from St. John's University in Minnesota. It stopped right there. The rest is okay. Good. Good. But but you know what? It shows you, you know, the Internet. Nobody knew before. So it's one of those playgrounds where you got to spend the time learning it. Mm -hmm. And once you learn it, you know, you're going to make mistakes. But that's actually part of the learning. Which, which in life, which is so great about your book, is that you know you learn from your biggest mistakes. If you're not willing to make mistakes, you're not going to learn. Well, you're going to so, learn a whole lot more from what you get wrong than you are correct. from what you get That's right. Exactly right. If you think about your most painful memories in life physically, they were when you touched a hot stove or did something stupid. Correct. I'm not right? going to do that. They're again. doing things wrong. So when did you get in on the whole wild, wild west world of the internet? Like the late nine, like 96, 97? I, I wish I could say yes. In a marginal way, I did. When mm-hmm. my friends were at school, minimum wage, I think, was five fifty or $6 an hour back then. Yeah. When my friends were in college, they were working at the campus, flipping burgers. Uh, they were delivering pizza. They were cleaning the locker room, whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. I wised up a little bit and, and became addicted to this AOL dial-up thing and got on it and was doing some mischievous things in chat rooms that I shouldn't <laughs> have been doing. But, you know. Like, what are you doing in chat rooms you shouldn't have been doing? Getting people's mom's pics, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. I was a... Gotcha. But I, you know, and it was it was good, uh, good stuff to hang over their shoulders once in a while. But sure. what I what I was doing during college to to make money, my first business ever that was like official was burning CDs. You know, and the CD burner came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was four hundred dollars, which back then it, it, that's probably what I don't know, ten grand in today's society. I don't know, <laughs> just putting it in perspective. I got it. I financed it, and I bought all these discs, and I was making these custom mixes when no one else knew how to do it. So hey, you want rap? I got you. Do you want you know country? I got you. Um, and I would make these custom mixes for people. And usually I just sold the same disc over and over and told them like they were listening to something wrong, but just so I could do more volume, right? It was easier to copy a disc than make it custom. So that was one of my first things I did. And then I found out there was a whole market to resell my essay papers, my term papers for my bachelor's degree. <laughs> I would literally get an A or anything, a B or higher. I'd go online and sell that thing for 20 to 50 bucks. Now I took my friend all Saturday to make that flipping burgers, but yeah. I could do it in two minutes selling them to sites like that. So you're in college at this time. And, yes. and what year are we talking about? What's uh, the- so I entered college uh, fall of 90, I'm sorry. Yeah, fall of 97. Okay. And so this is 98 when I really started doing All right, so 1998, it sounds like all of your early business is really illegal or immoral or a combination of both. And he's both. Well, so you're, you're, like, did you, you're like Cyber Van Wilder. You could say that, but you did say a key word. When did you enter the Wild West? That was the Wild sure West. Sure was. And I didn't think it got wilder until I moved to South Florida, which happened because of a hiccup. So I got hired uh, by Accenture. They were called Anderson Consulting back there based mm-hmm. out of Chicago tech position, analyst, big salary, Chicago, signing bonus. I had that my first month of my senior year of college. Wow. So I signed that thing and was like, done. I'm partying the rest of this year. I'm going to pass my classes, travel, do my thing. Because you had a job already I had set. a job. Well, they called me right before graduation and said, hey, you know the dot-com thing kind of smashed, right? It's just gone. We can't start you for 18 months. I said, well, what am I going to do then? So luckily my dad cracked the whip and said, you're going to do something and, or you're going to pay us rent. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if I'm not going to pay my parents' rent. I'm going to move out. I'm going to move far to prove a point. So I moved to South Beach, so, <laughs> right from, from Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, people were shocked. And that was my first risk I ever took, which is why it's the first chapter in my book. I literally, He's people, were, people were shocked. And then it was even more Wild West. I, I worked with some guys that were fresh out of Wall Street that were kind of, from what I understand, kicked out of Wall Street. They were some of the Jordan Belfort colleagues. Mm-hmm. They had an SEO agency. And they taught to, me to how clarify, to sell it. When he says Jordan Belfort, that would be the Wolf of Wall Street. That That's right. The so the Scorsese right. movie, Leonardo DiCaprio played that, uh, you know, the questionable, uh, shady uh, Wall Street guy. That would be who you're speaking of. All right. That's right. So we were selling search engine advertising and you could 
say what you want. You could promise what you want. There was no SEC regulating you, and it was the Wild West. And no one knew what it really was. Right. So you were selling and theory. The best part about it, Steve, is we had a programmer that could deliver the goods. Which is way above what the promise was. It was, time, it was insane. Right? My first day I got there. So wait a minute, you were actually doing what you said you were going to do? We did. You actually going to deliver? We did. In, a, in an environment where, where no that never happened. Wait, right? wait, no, what you were doing, was this all legal? Yeah. And was it all moral? Yeah. So how did you sleep at night? Because this is totally different from everything you've been doing leading up to this point. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to grow up at some how point. How could you look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I've gone legit? Well, that was my point is that he figured stuff out. When you have the ability to learn it, mm-hmm. you know, why wouldn't you do it right? You know, there was no, pro- no sure. point in not doing it if you could. If you could do it legit, then right. why wouldn't you? Sure. So it was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, you call brands every day and we'd say, back then it was Yahoo. Hey, how would you like to be number one to three in Yahoo in 48 hours? Well, the Google hours? guys hadn't shown up yet. Nope. And they were like, you can't do that. Send me $2,000, I'll show you. Yeah. And within 48 hours, if our tech guy did what he was supposed to do, it would happen 98% of the time. They'd show and up then you could call them. him back and say, do another 2,000. What else other keyword you got? And we yeah. would build these little custom sites. After a year, we smartened up and figured out we could do it from a condo in South Beach on our own. We didn't need the tech guy. We figured it out ourselves. What are they making the movie about your life is what I want to oh, know. Oh, it would be. Because I think, <laughs> your, I think your story is every bit as interesting as, as a John you know, Oh, actually, I, I know him a long time. It's more interesting. <laughs> you know, I, I have to be honest. This book here, and, and to me, it feels thin. It looks thin. There's a lot of things I wish I could redo. The business lessons are there. I got a guy to play I, you. I got, a, I got a guy to play you already. Miles <laughs> Teller. Oh, that would be amazing. Miles Teller <laughs> plays you in a heartbeat. All right. I was thinking uh, Sean William Scott because we're from the same area. He's also solid. If he's still playing high school guys, I don't know. He but. he's a little old for that <laughs> yeah. now, isn't he? Wasn't he? Uh, wasn't he like Stifler? Or something? Yeah, that's him. Right. That's, right, that was, that's him. That was twenty-two yeah. years ago, bro. It's the right attitude. I know. But he still plays that. It's the right attitude. That's yeah. why. Yeah. All right. That's Continue. <laughs> but um, you know, so when I brought this, I, I set this down for four years. Didn't even work on it. And I think I was at 10 lessons. You're talking about the book? The book. Okay. And there was a huge part about my life in it that when I had a mentor help me out and finish this thing, he said, dude, you've got a memoir and a business book. You've got to cut this. This mm-hmm. is ha- You have two books here. So we looked at it and said, let's put out the business lessons because it's going to help me out right away you know, and give me some credibility and really be a differentiator. Because in my industry, like you were alluding to earlier, you can go online and watch YouTube videos. You can get on webinars. If you really want to grind and learn the info, you can. 10,000 so, hours, you can do you it can. if you want. So right? I'm competing with guys that are doing this and they're good and they're sharpening their swords and being good at it. But you know, I'm, I'm kind of an OG in this industry. I've been doing it almost 20 years. And I've got this in the background and it's just, you know, it's another feather in the cap to kind of separate myself from these new guys coming out, uh, you know, coming up for us. That's, that's really what it yeah, is. Sometimes, you know, publishing a book uh, in some ways qualifies you. It, it's one percent it, of it, the it population. Legi- it legitimizes. You know, you keep saying that number, but it, to me, it sounds it's got to be smaller than that. No, I can't believe one, one out of 100 people publish a book. Really? They say one percent of the population actually I can't be- writes I, and publishes. A I book. can't believe that. So you're probably right. You're probably less probably one probably one tenth of one percent. Okay, maybe so. Because I, I know, you know, a few thousand people and out of them, I know four of you wrote a book. Right. I, I mean, so, like, so what's interesting is that there's people who buy me knowing that I have a book who have never read the book. It doesn't matter. It could be crayon. Oh, you wrote a book. Oh, because of validation. Like, oh, all of a sudden, a party that I couldn't get into. Oh, you wrote a book. Come on. Yeah. And, and on the same token, I've got a bunch of friends that refuse to read and that's their fault. But I've been waiting 60 days for the audio version to get approved. It's taking forever. But when that's out, I'm like, hey, you have no excuse now. Just you drive to work every day, right? Okay, cool. You can hear my book. I mean, it blows my <laughs> mind when I am somewhere and, and they'll go, hey, I just bought your book on you know Amazon or whatever. Uh-huh. I've listened to your book every morning. I listen to your book. It's I, fascinating, which is part of the new world because 
you know, people have a choice. There's lots of choices. If you put out good stuff, you know, the learning, the, the capacity to learn is there. People do want to learn. So it what's, is. What's it, a, oh, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. I was going to say, it's a humbling. I mean, I had someone named Al Savancse who I happened to go to high school and college with. And he reached out to me, and I don't talk to him regularly. He reached out to me on Facebook Messenger and said, hey, here we are. And he had his young children there at breakfast setting the table and stuff. He said, your chapter about setting the tone. We practiced that. that Thank you. And I, that, that was heartwarming. That was yeah. cool. So, made it all worthwhile. So in here, you talk about the, the failures as well as the success. Of course. You talk about new bag. New bag's in there. All right. And what's the lesson to be taken from new bag? You know, you got to try. You got to take risks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, as much as that was a failure financially, it opened doors for me. And Steve will tell you. I because mean, it's memorable and relatable? I, I mean, I was going with the networking route there, but that too. Um, you know, I got in with Stu Gatz. I don't see him a lot, but we're friends to this day. I met Lebetard. We're cool. I see him around. We say hello. And he's opened a lot of doors for me. And that's an important thing. And we'll thing. continue to do that because in spite right. of it being bad, you didn't take it out on him. Heck no. A lot it wasn't of people his fault. come back and go, hey, you didn't perform yet. No, he did what you he know, was supposed to do. And it puts a smile on their face to this day when they Which bring it up. And, and, and it's just great. Well, it's a memorable product. Yeah. And it's a memorable fail. And it also humanizes you and it makes you relatable. People just that. I mean, if you think about the stories of the NFL or, or basketball over the years, everyone remembers Bernie Parmalee, the New York Jet, who everyone UPS. remembers who was, it, who was a UPS guy, right? Everyone remembers uh, that it wasn't that, oh, he was a star at this school or that. It's the relatability. The fact that the guy won the hockey game a week and a half ago, oh, um, that, that was the, the, you know, the emergency, 42 years of age, Incredible. David Ayers. Incredible. They'll make a Disney movie on this. But they're, they're selling merchandise now. Like they're selling jerseys with you know his name on them, Ayers. Um, it's, it's the relatability. So if you're always right and you're always winning, then people are going to hate on you. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're not relatable because like, oh, this guy, I'm sure he's high. But when you're like, yeah, I was a new bad guy. We failed. Um, remember, <laughs> it was a spray. And it, yeah. And then it's like, okay, he's like us. Not only is he you know, uh, you know, human, but he's you know, relatable in the sense of he's willing to admit, well, yeah, we failed at that, but we're going to try and win at this. And admitting that you're average and amplifying that average ability makes you that much more relatable because people always connect with those who remind them of somewhere themselves, don't they? Sure. And you have to learn from your mistakes and take little situations, micro situations, and figure out how you can make them better. So again, with the whole networking thing and knowing the guys I got to meet throughout the process, I probably wouldn't have met you at least as soon in life. Correct. Without that failure that was as well. The connection. And yeah, you know, was... we've done a lot of cool things together and definitely shared a few drinks around town. We bumped <laughs> into each other in Weston. So there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and we're here today. So what, what, the, what are the key lessons of the book before people go and buy it, obviously? Sure. Well, there's, there's 15 and I'll highlight some of the, the ones that I, you know, appreciate the most. And I think one is you've got to have mentors in your life. Whether mm-hmm. you speak to them regularly, you just follow kind of what they do online. Do you choose them or do they choose you? You choose them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they can choose you, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to want it back. In That's life, a harder in life, roadmap. You, in life, you have to seek out those that you want to mentor you. You know what? Yeah. And it just cuts down your time to learn things a lot quicker. I mean, if someone's failed at what you did or done what you did before, it's the best thing to ever And do. you know what I've learned about that? Because I agree and I can point to the people in my life who really helped me and really directed me is that most people just don't ask. The minute you ask, most successful people are willing to send the elevator back down just because you asked. Sure. No, no hiccups, no expectation of other than, you know what? Somebody was there for me, kid. I'll be there for you. Yeah, I always, I'm always suspect of those who don't, as you say, send the elevator back down. Those who don't want to help others come achieve what it is they've been able to. I'm always a little leery of them 
Because they what didn't it, really do it. They're what not it, genuine. Yeah, what exactly are you hiding? Right. Exactly Why exactly right. wouldn't you want to? You know, the last verse of Tim McGraw, Humble and Kind. You know, don't take for granted the love this life gives you. When you get where you're going, don't forget, turn back around. Help the next one in line. Always be humble and kind. And that's a life lesson, you know, for every graduating class of every college and high school and eighth grade elementary school moving forward. But there's something to be said for when you've been able to achieve a level of what you wanted and where you wanted to be. We all have an obligation to say, all right, turn around. Who behind us could use a hand to help them find their way to where they want to be? And when you do, I don't think that there's, at least in my career, there's no feeling like it. You know, when you're able to really give the experience share, like I hate when people call me up and say, hey, can I pick your brain? Mm-hmm. Go, listen, dude, I don't want you to pick my nose. I don't want you to pick my friends. I certainly don't want you to pick my brain. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me to share my experience with you, let's go. Let's spend 45 minutes well, and you know, I just pick your brain. Is a, What's the it, difference as, what, as far as semantics? Uh, well, it, it's not semantics because basically they're asking you for something for free. You know, and that's that's it happens all the time. How you must get people call you all the time. Hey, you know, my wife wants to start this project. <laughs> that's the reason I wrote the chapter about mentors and how to properly approach someone right, to do it. Yeah. And a guy that I've mentored and he told me on Saturday, whether you know it or not, you're my mentor. And you know how he reached out to me? He reached out to me on Facebook, DM'd me. And usually I delete ninety nine point nine 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 percent of those. This guy reached out and said, I see we're in some similar circles in online marketing. I see you took this course and you've commented there and you're kind of an authority there. I live in Plantation. You live in Weston. I read you like tequila. I'd love to buy you one. I've also got some really cool SEO trending stuff I'd like to homework. share with you. He did his he homework. He did his homework and he offered Amen. to maybe uh, buy me my favorite drink uh-huh. on my time. When you have time, not Friday right. at 2, when you have time. So the key there is that he did his homework and yep. he approached in a, hey, I would appreciate it, but here's why it's worth your time as well. And, and it allows you to decide at that point if you got a good feeling about, yeah. I want to help this guy. He made it really easy to say yes. We had a fantastic lunch Make at a very bad yes. establishment. That's and it big... led to leaving the place. And he's like, hey, do you want to keep hanging out? I was like, yeah, I kind of do. Let's go <laughs> grab a cigar. You know what's interesting? And, and this is the part of all sales and business that seems to people forgot is how to be human. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just charge in with the ask, you know, it right. feels cheap. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just be human. Be yeah. who you are. To your point, I've liked you. I liked you from the minute I met you. Likewise. If we didn't like each other, it's over. It's done. It right. wouldn't matter. Right. And, and that's matter. just setting the tone with people but, as well. But there's a, there's a takeaway here, as Steve would say, an aha moment, sure. Um, and that is make it easy for them to say yes. Make them want to say right. yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, I always joke and, well, sometimes not joke, on the air or off. You know, when an email begins with, you know, that I'm receiving hope all is well, I'm like... <laughs> That means you're about to ask me something. Right. 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 Like when, when I get a text <laughs> oh, message, shit, when I get, when good. I get text that's messages really from girls and they go, Hey stranger. Yeah. And if it's not after yeah. midnight, you know, it ain't for booty call. <laughs> it's for, it's for tickets. Yeah. Right. It's, oh, for, it's always for an ask. It's for right. access. Right. It's to sure. be on a list for something. So there, there's something to be said for the hope all is well. Try not to put that on. I email. can take a lesson from that. It tells I me immediately used that before. And that's not it, good. It yeah. immediately tells you know me what? you're about to ask me for something. It's a one way street. You're about to ask for something. There's and, my aha moment for the day. I, learned, may, I love same it. Same here. I will never use that phrase. again. Never. That, but, <laughs> but, Thanks, how does it make you feel when you when you read it that seems on cheesy. email? It feels cheesy. Doesn't it make you yeah. feel like you, you want to say no? Right. Because you know that there's going to be a request that's very one sided. Right? Without a right. doubt. Okay. Oh, there's a big ask coming. Of know, course. Which I, I yeah. love that. Well, you know, the, the guy that says you're his mentor, 
he he was asking you for a big ass, but he did so in a manner that made you want to say yes. Like you said, he made it easy for you to say yes. Well, the other yeah. side of it is that it's flattering. You know, it's it like is. when someone it like that who seems intelligent, he put it in a really smart, he's not, you know, ground zero, hey, I just landed on the planet and I want you to teach me everything there is about the internet. He's saying, look, I've already done my homework, I've done some stuff here, mm-hmm. you know, maybe together we're better than apart. Which that I like. I learn from people all the time. I just learn from you, you know. So we all learn from each other, yeah, right. And if we're not, we're missing out on life. And the cool thing is, he did show up and taught me some things I didn't know about that Google was Guaranteed. kind of doing, and it was great. And we became friends. And I'm happy to announce that two summers later, I was in his wedding. Oh, that's that. awesome! I mean, is that not great. a good story or what? Yeah, yeah. but but it's so it's real and so genuine that because of social media, because of the internet, when people talk about isolation, I think the opposite. I think the internet has a way of bringing us together in a way that wouldn't happen. Facebook, direct message, put you together. He had access to you, but he did his homework. He did it in a relevant way. It wasn't. Uh, we are hey, connected in a hey, way. I'll be in your area tomorrow. Can you meet me <laughs> right. at two? I'm like, right. what are you out of your mind? Right. We're, we're in an era of human connectivity that's never been broached in the history of mankind. People don't know how to do it. Yeah, and and you know, the old days, someone had a bad experience with a product, a company, a service. They could write a, a letter, and the company didn't give a shit. And the reality is now. That person goes on Twitter, Instagram, becomes a thing. They could change the world overnight. Oh. They're changing policies overnight, right? Uh, Starbucks uh, shut down every location about sensitivity training after some guys were waiting for a meeting and they were mistreated. Those guys in Philly. All because somebody had a bad experience. You can change the world through the connectivity of this digital uh, world in which we live. Yeah. Uh, guys, I hate to tell you this, but we're just about out of time. That was crazy. It's a fast, fast 30 minutes. That was great. We're definitely doing another one. Tim Schmidt. I'm always down. Entrepreneur, <laughs> author, brand innovator, and consultant, and uh, the feature of the upcoming Martin Scorsese film, The, uh, <laughs> the Shark of South Beach. The Shark of South Beach. I love it. Miles Teller to star. Do I get to play Vin Diesel? And uh, you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How about Vin Diesel plays you? Oh, okay. Wouldn't good. that be a I better like idea? That. That's awesome. That'd probably be a better idea, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be more, a more, make a little more sense casting wise? Yeah, we played you. To be funny. Okay, <laughs> good. Uh, the book is Amplifying Amplify. Average. Amplifying Average. 15 Lessons to Help You Level Up Your Life. Uh, boom. Yeah. Sounds better when you say right. it than I do. Like, Give it on Amazon. My signed copy and to you get nudes. A, you got a signed copy. I signed well. it nudes. Yeah. And for those that want to get uh, Tim's attention, locate him on social media, but offer him tequila. That appears to be how you can... High-end tequila. How, yeah. how, how you can... I'll uh, never turn down a good martini either, though. Uh, that'll work, too. Sound like somebody we know. <laughs> Steve, as we wrap it up like we always do, instead of asking, uh, you know, how you doing and what's new, you always ask people to tell you something good. So as the music comes back on, you tell us something good. As we so put ball I, I think it's something great. I'm super excited. This weekend, I am... Uh, I've been asked to attend the first convention for the Midas Corporation in almost uh, 14 years. Wow. They are gathering, 1,200 franchisors are gathering at the Hard Rock, so they're doing it right. Um, it's a three-day event of which I am integrated throughout the event, speaking, training, networking, and uh, super excited to kick off my engagement with them. That's great. So we'll be with them for a while. And uh, Congratulations. So, you know what? You got to celebrate the wins, and that's a that's a big win Indeed. for us. Yeah. Indeed, our thanks to Tim Schmidt in advance of his film, major motion picture. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking Scorsese, and again, Miles I Teller. like it. That's the I like it. I got. You know All right, for these guys and Steve Newberg, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We will catch you next time on Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody.